you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Well, hello to you, world. Thank you for tuning in to another Self-Publishing Insiders Live from Draft2Digital. And this is, it's a cold like blistery cold day here james in the united states we're getting a cold snap here and where where, where are you remind me you're texas. I, I am in texas and by the way this is james blatch from self-publishing formula and you may recognize him from the podcast and from other things that he's done uh, a wonderful friend uh james welcome to the show sorry hey. i didn't mean to leap right into weather talk do you know i'm british we can talk <laughs> about the weather we could, I could do the hour just talking about the weather. But last we time could. I was in Texas, it was freezing. I was in Dallas, and it was it was bitter, like just below freezing with a wind type bitter cold. Were you and here? Thought, was that that was that was recently? That was in November, and I thought I didn't November. come to Texas for this. I left the UK. Right, right. To, to Everyone, avoid this. you think you're going to dodge it? Texas is going to throw you a curveball every time, though. You know, weather wise, Vegas was like, cold too, right? Vegas got chilly. Uh, and we're talking about, by the way, uh, 20 Books Vegas, the, the big conference, uh, probably one of the biggest I've ever seen for, for indie yeah. authors. Uh, yeah. It did get chilly there. We, you know, and I, as usual, I was inadequately uh, dressed and prepared. Uh, I think I had like a hoodie. It was just about the warmest piece of clothing I had. Well, I'm not used to, I'm just, te- no, Texas yeah, has Texas. me thrown off. Like it, I, I'm accustomed to um showing up you know with nothing mostly shorts yes if if that i've heard you Um, uh, if if that you're right (laughs) i I went to the outlet mall and bought a coat because going out in the evening it was it was yeah below freezing some nights it was um it was cold anyway listen to me and we've just had a real cold snap here in the uk of snow and ice uh, but that's just melted that's coming for us tonight that starts tonight for us that's one of the reasons i'm wearing my trusty bar humbug uh, Christmas hat. You told me you were going to be in your Christmas jumper. I don't know. I had a bit of a panic before because I couldn't find the link to log on. And I, in the midst of that, forgot to go to my room I, and get I was, one of my four Yeah, jumpers. I was just sitting here at that time. Like, you know, he he, he basically jumps in like a, a minute before yeah. we're supposed to go live. I'm like, you know, I'd think you Brits were a little more timely with that giant clock you guys have there in yeah. London. In London. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, welcome, uh, welcome. To this. That's been weather talk with Draft yep. Digital. Uh, you get intercontinental uh, weather observations on this show. Uh, but James, you, you guys, um, self-publishing formula, man. You guys are really blowing things up, and you, you are now. We're going to talk a bit about this today, a lot about this today. But you guys are actually rolling out your re-rolling out your um, ads for authors uh, course, right? We are. Yeah. So that's yeah. coming out in January. And to coincide with that, we're going to do a Facebook ads expedition. I think I think I would say, yeah, ads for authors course has a lot of modules to it now with Amazon ads and TikTok and yeah. um, all sorts of bits and pieces. It's a big old course. But for me, Amazon ads, sorry, Facebook ads for me personally is still the driver of sales for me, my book and the books I promote through Fuse. That's not to say Amazon ads aren't a part of it. They are. But Facebook has is a majority of my spend. And so we're sort of going, and it was our first course. Yeah. So we're going back to basics in January. We're going to do a special expedition to get people sort of handheld through the door of Facebook ads, get those first 
tentative steps into that world that needs mastering, I think, if you're to be a, a successful indie author. So we're doing that in January, uh, and that will lead to the opening of the course, uh, which is sort of mid, I think, the 18th of January. And um, yeah, I mean, if people don't know, it's 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 the course that teaches you how to actually sell your books. It's um, anybody can do this stuff badly, right? Anyone can run ads that suck right. your money up and don't produce results. And you can spend money on covers and you can write blurbs that don't work and don't do the right thing for you. This course is about really optimizing every single step of the way, making everything aligned so that every time you put some money into doing something like ads, it's got its best chance of giving you a result that you want. And uh, unfortunately, it's not easy. Nothing that's good is easy, right? And it's more, you right. would, I think, probably backs up more competitive now than it was even two years ago, let alone five or 10 years ago. Right, yeah. That's uh, the, the the whole Facebook uh, Facebook ads for authors thing was kind of the start of it all. And you're saying you're still seeing, like that's still your primary like the best result you get is it is for me so so up until i would say up until the beginning of 2020 you you and i speak to authors all the time about how they market what they market and right one of two answers would come they'd either say facebook ads drives my sales and my mm-hmm. my business or they'd say amazon ads drives my business i'm going to add into that tiktok because that has happened this year so that's yeah. the third answer you often hear from people so people like jane ryland lila dubois um, I think Caroline Peckham, Suzanne Valenti, um, and famously, I mean, I don't know Colleen Hoover, but Colleen Hoover, Lucy Scores had a huge hit. So they would start to say now TikTok is as big a part, if not a bigger part than one of those two ads platforms. So there's three. Yeah. Uh, but up until recently, it was just those two. And TikTok yeah. is slightly different because it's not even paid ads. But more frequently, it is I hear it is Facebook ads rather than Amazon ads that are the main driver and the main spend. That's absolutely not the case for everyone. And I meet people who only spend on Amazon ads. It's their number one thing. But it's more common, I think, um, for it to be Facebook ads. So, yeah, it's still still the um, still the magic juice, I think, for us. And luckily, it's a platform that stayed pretty consistent, pretty reliable, it has its ebbs and flows here and there through the year i think we've had a really cheap period recently last six weeks has been cheap um i think maybe the big guys the recession i can imagine i was saying to mark on our podcast actually the other week that in the crusty old corporations that have a billion dollar advertising revenue you can imagine someone saying do you know what's all this nonsense about facebook stop that straight away so that when they have to cut down on the budget the first thing that goes is their social media spend because they don't understand it they'll carry on with the billboards and the magazine articles uh, Mm and the tv spots and stuff but they so i think some money's in because of the recession i think some money's come out from big business of social media platforms which is good for us yeah good for us The, the the smaller little guy uh yeah what's so when it comes to uh that spin because that you because you're right and i've talked to people about this over the years uh, uh thousands of authors about it but even like uh, other entrepreneurs and content creators and that sort of thing like the very first thing anybody does is cut their marketing budget uh yeah. which is insane uh if anything when the money starts slowing down you, your revenue starts slowing down, you should double your marketing budget. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other conversation. But so what's, when you're looking at like a Facebook ad strategy, and I, I don't want to give away the kettle here uh, for the course, but I mean, what are some things that, that authors should keep in mind when they're thinking about a, an ad strategy? Not just Facebook, I guess. Just yeah, Facebook. not just Facebook. I think Facebook is, um, 
a sort of very concentrated version of what you need to be doing in all areas of your of your marketing career. And I always start at the beginning, which is is the cover of your book has to work for your book. So yeah, and the purpose of the cover is not to look pretty or to stand out or be the best in in the cover anyone's going to see. The cover of your book, its job is to tell a potential reader that this is the sort of book they like to read. So mm-hmm. if you're writing John le Carre style novels, your cover needs to look like a John le Carre style book if you're writing sci-fi and so on. And I actually had this argument with somebody on email this week who emailed me for some advice and um, I gave him some bits and pieces. And when I said your cover needs to, to fit in with the genre, he said, no, no, absolutely not. My cover needs to stand out. And yeah. that's a common thing that authors think, but it's wrong, actually. It's intuitively, yeah. uh, counterintuitive maybe, but your cover needs to fit in. So your cover needs to work. Your blurb needs to absolutely reinforce that as well. So if you're writing bully romance uh, or whatever subgenre in romance, your cover says that, your blurb reinforces it, sometimes even saying those words, this is a yeah. blurb, bully uh, romance book. Um, and then you design a Facebook ad that looks and feels like the content that's going to be at the end of that chain. You need to get all of that right. Before we talk about targeting and ad spend uh, and creatives, you need to understand that if at any point in that click process, there's a disconnect, even a small yeah. one, you'll you'll leech money. The money yeah. will, will not be worth it. So starting at the beginning, and that's something we really take people through in the course in more detail than I could do in an hour here, obviously, um, but fully understanding the the purpose of the cover, how the blurb works at a sort of granular level to get that right. Yeah. And then Facebook ads. I mean, it's a big subject, KT. So, you know, I can't do a lot yeah. of it. I can, and I'm, it's not because I don't want to give away secrets. I'm, I would happily, you know, we, Mark and I have always said we just share everything we possibly can. But in terms of learning, we know people are going to ultimately if they're going to invest in themselves, they're going to need the course because there's so much information you can pause it right. and do it in your own time. But um, I think dynamic creative ads have worked really well for me this year. So what they are in the old days, you just had one image and one line of copy, one headline underneath that image and one description underneath that. Um, and then you could perhaps, the only thing you could change then is the call to action shop now or learn learn more or whatever. Right. But that was it, just one, one ad. So you'd have to duplicate that campaign or duplicate that ad several times inside a campaign. Then Dynamic Creative came along. They allowed you to choose 10 different images, uh, up to five pieces of copy for each one of those slots. And if you know your maths, I mean, you look like a man who knows his maths, Kevin, to me. I, if you, I know a number or two. If you times five by five by five, (laughs) you know, the variations that Facebook can then Mm -hmm. produce of that ad is is tens of that is ridiculous. It goes up very rapidly. It's thousands anyway. Um, Now, I think that's good because we have lost a little bit of access through the privacy rules that have come in. I have to say mainly from the EU. Um, Not a great thing, but it's happened and it's frustrating all these codes we get sent to our phone all the time it's all emanating out of a bureaucracy here in Europe for which I apologize but um, apart from that we're living with that now so we've lost a little bit of access to information that we were using but Facebook has a huge amount of information it just can't give us anymore because of that but it has it and it uses it so if you do your dynamic creative campaigns what you're doing is you're seeding a bit of creative control to or targeting control to Facebook. So they're not just going to send it to where you've said, they're going to create a type of creative that they think works for that person based on what they know, but they can't tell you. And so I think that's why creative ad 
dynamic creative ads have worked well for me this year. Um, and I would advocate getting to know them. We have a special module on those as well. Yeah, it, that's um, it, it's interesting to watch the shift in how Facebook ads work. I mean, there's some things that are kind of tried and true, but you know, what do you think has been the most true? I, I don't, don't want to talk just Facebook ads, but it is sort yeah. of the primary. Like, what do you think are some of the things that have uh, dramatically shifted in just the past like two years? I mean, they have become more expensive. And so yeah. you could be a little bit sloppier in the past, probably with your targeting and your copy and still get some decent results because the market was smaller. It's, it's grown a lot since then. Whatever people say about Facebook being, you know, uh, in trouble financially, it's still an incredibly powerful, vibrant social media platform with billion users or so. And so you are, you're competitive. So you need to that's the main change, I think, is you need to be better than you were five years ago and making sure all of that is right. Um, in terms, you know, so an odd thing I find the more I do, I run Facebook ads for my books, but also run Facebook ads for all the Fuse books. And I've given up trying to predict what's going to work in yeah. terms of the actual images and copy. Um, you know, I'll sometimes use quite, I think, a fairly clunky sentence um, and add a couple more sentences to it. In the past, I wouldn't have bothered with that because my instinct was this is wordy. It's short and pithy, works better. But now I do because I know after four or five days of running that ad, I look at that and think, do you know what? For whatever reason, for that age group, they like clicking on more and they like reading more information about the book. And that's worked. So um, I think experimentation is uh, is more important than it used to be. Um, and investing a little bit early on in your campaigns knowing that they may not seed a profit for you um, but you will get important information back that enables you then to optimize that campaign or run a new campaign based on what you've learned from that which sounds more complicated than it is but it's really yeah. just a process of getting to where you need to be yeah everything sounds more complicated than it really is yeah and then some some things are more complicated than they sound and then so that just throws my whole game off yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um what all is the, what all are you guys covering now you're not just facebook ads so i know you're doing amazon ads and i think you did kind of break down some of what you're doing but is there like a complete breakdown of what you guys are covering in the course now yeah there is i can certainly do that for you so we have we set them up into into separate modules so they're basically mini entire courses in their own right and by the way when we were researching putting together this course we looked at some of the other uh, Facebook ads courses which are out there because because Facebook ads you know we use them as authors but they're used very widely for mm -hmm. people selling whatever little black rubber things on uh, on Amazon right um, and so you can buy these courses from some quite big names in the digital space uh, and they are usually in the region of two to three maybe sometimes five to six thousand dollars and they're shorter and have less information than our course I'll tell you that now so um, so we do our Facebook ads course by itself within Ads for Authors is a very valuable platform. We, we want to charge as little as we can because authors sell products that cost $4.99, not $49.99. Right, right. Um, and it's more difficult for us. So you get Facebook ads for authors, an entire course within it. And then let me just uh, narrow this down. I have actually got it in front of me, but what I want to do is make sure I'm, I'm giving you the right courses. We've got a lot of courses here, but what's bundled in with uh, Ads for Authors so just bear with me, Corla, while I go to yeah. my bundled products bit on um, here Well, we who go. can blame you for taking your time? It's a lot of stuff. You guys have a, you guys have been busy. You've been doing a lot. 
always busy you know us it <laughs> never stops and we've got lots of ideas for next year which is exciting so yes so we have we have a smaller course uh on ad design mm-hmm. so specifically understanding and these is not these courses aren't just here's how to design an ad they're the first it's the theory of why ads work and what you need to understand to help you empower you to create good ads in the future uh, we have a small module called Advanced Facebook for Ads as for Authors, so stuff we didn't want to scare people with. Yeah. Uh, we've taken out of the main course uh, things like um, there's pixels. You can do a lot with pixels and, and building audiences off that. So that's a bit more next level. So that's bundled in for it. Uh, we have two Amazon ads courses. We have a legacy course, which is, a, a I think, a simpler overview for Mark. It works very well. It's the one I did, actually, that got me going with Amazon ads. But we have a next level Amazon ads course written by Janet Margot, who worked on the front line in the author's division of Amazon ads in Seattle since left that division and now writes our courses for us. So you couldn't hear from a better source. That's pretty detailed, that course. I mean, it gets into some pretty nerdy uh, areas. But if you if Amazon ads your thing, it's invaluable. Uh, we have Amazon Attribution for Authors, which is the very latest module, which I wrote actually about two months ago. Do you remember when the attribution links uh, yeah. became available? Mm-hmm. And you can use them in your Facebook ads and other posts on social media, and then you can see results in your Amazon dashboard. Uh, so we've got that course that was added. And that's one thing I should say, an important thing actually, if I'm talking about the course in a kind of marketing way, is whenever we add anything to it, Everybody who has it previously gets that for free. So we never, ever ask for any more money from people. You have it for life. And if we completely revamp a course, which we did with Amazon ads, that's just part of your your ownership. You know, once yeah. you bought it, you have it for life. Uh, Facebook ad for authors, I mentioned. We have Facebook Messenger bot for authors. So if you want to use that message, autoresponder in Messenger, not something I've personally done, but there's a module on that. Uh, there's a copywriting module, how to write better, simpler ads. Um, and then our next biggest, probably most watched module was added last year, and it's TikTok for authors. And that is a comprehensive guide to you setting up an effective platform on TikTok and using TikTok, which is an exciting platform. Yeah. Um, and it's shifting books for people, but how to do that properly in in you know in line with all the stuff we do, how to get it right, how to optimize it, not simply how to do it. Uh, a couple of other things. We do live webinar training as well. You get that. It's called the SPF University, although for legal mm-hmm. reasons, I always have to say it's not a real university. That's what we do. Do you have, it. is there a, is that a EU thing? Or that you Mark, to- Mark tells me, Mark, Mark was a lawyer, right? And yeah. so he's, uh, he errs on the side of caution. So he tells me I have to say okay. that. That's understandable. Um, but, yeah. but we had one this week, actually. We had one from John Logston's team, um, uh, uh, called links it was about basically using links in your author career and that gets that gets quite complicated as well yeah. but um we try and break this down into bite-sized chunks for make it easier yeah because um because we want people to be able to write and focus on that and then the marketing side should be as as simple as possible but not any simpler if uh if an author had to choose between all the various courses what's the one that you would recommend uh they go to first um do you mean within ads for authors or, or well, all the courses that we do? Well, let's, we, we can open it up to all the courses you do, but what's what's the fundamental course that you think every author should be taking from you guys? So we have, we have our Launchpad course, which is the step before ads for authors. And that's that's just opened and closed, but that will be open again in the spring. And that is 
that's building your platform. So if you're mm. if you're early into it, so you're one book in, two books in, or you're just about to publish your first book, and you're trying to wrap your head around the language of self-publishing and the digital right. ecosystem, that is the course for you. If you're a series and a half in at this stage and you understand covers and the work, the job they need to do, uh, you understand the basics, the fundamentals of, of marketing, but you haven't had success with it, you can't get things going or you're unhappy with success, then Ads for Authors is 100% the course for you. And I would say, I think, I think I know people love our Launchpad course, it used to be called 101, and we do get a lot of fan mail for it. But for me, the Ads for Authors course is what has made me somebody who can make a profit on two books, yeah. uh, which is quite hard to do. That's yeah. that's the juice that's inside Ads for Authors. That's actually a pretty good endorsement because the yeah. advice you get everywhere else uh, in the author community is write more books, uh, which I, I don't object to, but it's it's not exactly a fast track. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and writing more books is what I would say as well. It's where I am, Kevin. You mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm at the write more books phase and I've yeah. um, sort of come to a fairly I've just just finished my novella, which is book three. And I've come to a fairly big decision about my next thing I'm going to do writing wise. That is my focus and should be my focus. Um, but I love the marketing side of it as well. And um, it's very, very encouraging for me that I'm turning a small profit uh, with a couple of books and um, an audio book yeah. to launch this week should help that as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about your uh, work because uh, you're 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 no longer new. Uh, you, <laughs> you're you're sort of relatively new compared to, say, Mark or somebody uh but you you've now you've been in this for a little while what how's your journey been it's been i'm in a good place at the moment i think because i've just finished a book and we've okay. just gone off to the editors and it always feels quite quite nice at that point and we sort of it's mountain it's a mountain to climb isn't it a novel's a big thing to write even a even a novella half length yeah. thirty four thousand words it still hangs over you and you've got to put the graft in and it feels the you know, you know this more than anyone else. There are moments when you just think this is all rubbish, yeah. And uh, and then moments when you reread it and think actually it was quite good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I've got to that bit. It's gone off to the editor, and I'm now thinking about what to do next. And I think so. I've written my first book. It's called The Final Flight. It was an agonising process getting it out. It sort of fell out of me as a story incoherently ten years before I finally published it. And I I went through a lot of book coaching and stuff to to turn it into a, a readable novel. But that was very much a personal thing. It was about my father's era. And it was about the kind of stiff upper lip that results mm -hmm. from being in the military in that environment and the cost that's paid usually by wives and children later. It's a, I mean, you might not even notice that theme's in there, but it, that's what it, why I wrote it. The next book was was more on that theme, but set in the, with the US setting. And the third book is is yet more really of that kind of male fragility or the hidden depths of, of male emotion all suppressed in the 50s and 60s when I write my books. But I, the decision I've come to is I think I've got that out of my system now. I think I've done that. And I'm now going to be more commercial. Um, so there was an MI5 agent called Susie in book one. And I'm going to do a series about her. And military aviation will be in there, but it won't be it won't be a feature part of it. It'll just be a background. So I'm aiming for kind of John Le Carre spy espionage Cold War series called The oh. Susie Fox um the Susie Fox or Susie Fox book book um so I'm just at the so I've got my I haven't got it here but I've been reading Save the Cat again yeah. to really kind of go back to basics in structuring the novels and trying to get a bit of an arc of series in my mind before I write book one so I'm excited about that I feel I feel the first three books 
they'll always be special to me yeah um and my family but i think they were also a, an apprenticeship if that makes sense and yeah, now i yeah. feel I've, I've got my first step in the door of being able to write a sort of semi-competent series i like that you're tying tying in a new series to your existing books i mean that's, that's yeah. smart uh that's same that whole shared universe thing you know, I, that's what I do with all my books. All my books are in the same universe, essentially. Yeah. Even the even the far out like sci-fi stuff, I've got links uh, to get back. You know, but, nice. So what? So what genre was uh, were your first three books? So they, I describe them as Cold War thrillers, but they were very military aviation centered. So very aviation. And you and I are, share a love for military aviation. There you go. It's not, nothing yeah. wrong with it. Nothing no, wrong no. With it. Um, <laughs> and it's done, like I say, it's done done all right for me. But it is a smaller genre when you have a picture of an aircraft on the front of the book. It's, you know, that you get these things like Top Gun, which obviously reach over yeah. the heads of everybody and, and everybody loves it. But actually, how many people who went to see Top Gun would buy a book about military aviation to read? That's right. a smaller group of us who do that. So um, so they are Cold War thrillers. Now, Susie Fox books will be Cold War thrillers, but they'll be, I would say, espionage, um, which is a much bigger kind of, you know, the Jean Le Carré is a, is a good example yeah. of the writer kind of I'm aspiring to. I mean, I love his books. Um, and then Dayton, there's quite a few uh, from the old days. So, in fact, Tom Clancy, all those early Jack Ryan I was going to I was going to bring up Clancy. I, I, I kind yeah. of felt like you were in a slice of, of his genre it definitely right, feels um and they did it right right those books they did okay yeah <laughs> still doing okay. i'm still Mark, struggling yeah. with how uh john le Carre might be considered um what was the market or what did you what was the term you used Not mainstream. no 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 you were oh. saying you were going to write things that were more uh, uh it slipped oh. my brain I was going to make a joke, and so the <laughs> joke has now fallen apart. Uh, but well, if you think whatever. of it, that's no. It'll come. It'll come to me after the call. I'll uh, get an email at midnight, won't I? We do have one sharp-eyed viewer in the uh, in the audience says, "Is that a picture of the RF uh, Vulcan behind you?" Hello, Tom. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a Vulcan. Um, so. Let me try and get my book. So this is that was this is if you're watching YouTube, this is the original cover of my book, and you can see yeah. the Vulcan, the white Vulcan at the top. Yeah, actually, we reworked the covers to make the aircraft more prominent. So this is the new cover. Oh, very it. nice. And again, yeah. there's the Vulcan. So yeah, the first book is set in and around um, a test flying unit, and their project they're working on is 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 being used by the Vulcan. So this picture predates all of that. Um, so my father was a test pilot in the 60s, hence the um, the interest in this area, mm. the obsession with this area. Yeah. And he flew he flew the Vulcan in mid-60s, probably, I think he logged only about 30 hours in it because he was a test pilot. He jumped between yeah. lots and lots of different aircraft. And when he flew it, it was like, like to the limit, we're doing vibration runs and stuff on it. But he flew about, I think, 10 different Vulcan airframes and I saw this at an air show at Duxford. Beautiful, stark image. He guy, he, this guy did all his pictures look like this. He just spitfires and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Now that Vulcan, the tail code there, which is X-ray Hotel five three three, is one of those few Vulcans that my father actually flew. So I sort of saw that and sort of felt I should buy this. It was quite expensive. Yeah. Yeah, that's original artwork, but um, I love it. And yes, eagle-eyed Tom, well done. It is. Uh, it is an Avro Vulcan. Had you heard of the Vulcan before 
Kevin, is it? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. I did. A, I, I don't, I, I, you know, you and I need to get drinks next time we're together and talk about uh, aircraft and vintage military aircraft in particular. I did a, uh, I produced a documentary series for PBS called Honor Squadrons. Wow. And, uh, we, I've actually crashed down in an SBD-5 Dauntless uh, oh. in a field in Angleton, Texas. So, yeah. well, so there's. We, we need to, yeah. Well, yeah, it did. It had a hydraulic failure. Wow. Uh, so, Lucky to be alive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to talk. We'll, we'll talk that. We'll tell that story some other That sounds time. like a great thing to do. I don't want to derail the, the conversation. Um, but uh, I do have, someone has asked a question related to the ads course. And if you feel up to it, uh, we can give it an answer uh author let's see author stipe lozina i'm gonna say how do we uh, how do we optimize our campaigns for books released as pre-orders this may yeah. go too in-depth and they may have to go get the course i can give some general tips and i've just done a couple of pre-orders actually for our fuse books i think the main thing here is to think about targeting because you uh, are struggling probably to sell a pre-order to a cold audience or even a look-alike audience um, so what I tend to do for pre-orders is I upload the mailing list of uh, the author, I'm, which is either you, in your case, if you're self-publishing. Uh, in my case, it's Fuse Books. It'll be the author who, who we're writing about. I also collect email, um, whose book it is. I also collect email addresses for them into our own Fuse ConvertKit account. So I combine all that into a single list of email addresses, which is, let's say, somewhere between five and 10,000, uh, depending on how the size of the author is. and I upload that and create a list into Facebook, an audience, I should say, to use the correct word in Facebook. The next thing I do is I use the people who've clicked on any kind of advert we've had for this author in the past. They've shown some interest in this author in the past, and that will be a second audience, so two audiences there. And I'd only run pre-order ads to them. I wouldn't expect pre-order ads to work on the normal targeting, like likes Tom Clancy in my case. They're not, you know, they're too cold to go taking a chance on a pre-order. But if they've read one of my books before, read one of your books, uh, or interacted with an advert. Um, so I think the key for pre-ordering is that. But the main thing with pre-ordering is emailing your list, isn't it? Um, do that several times. And there are some techniques. We have a, a, a mini course that's actually not part of Ads for Authors. I think you can buy it for $30 or something, which Mark wrote on, uh, on launching specifically. And I think in there he talks about it's a tactic I'm sure you know, um, Stipe, but it's uh, set the price at something like $2.99 or $1.99. And then you can email your list several times saying it's going up on release day. So everyone who pre-orders gets it at a good price and then it goes up on release day, uh, which I would tend to, in reality, do a couple of days after release day because you want as much visibility as possible in those first couple of days. But um, yeah, there, there are my initial overview thoughts on pre-orders. Okay. Um I was looking ahead to see if we had any other questions. We did. We don't have a ton of questions. So if you're out there listening, everyone, uh, make sure you it's, pop in. And let it's us Christmas. Know. Everyone's. It's Christmas. Are they, are they drunk? Yeah, they might be. May or maybe maybe they're just being polite. They don't want to ask too many questions. That that can come across as a little thing. Uh, this uh, comment from Peter, though. Thank you for the very honest and educational chat. Um, same place to you, James. Thanks. P.S. I used to bunk not far and train at scampton where the vulcan lived it's so, there's that's uh thank you we could, i think we could easily shift this into uh aircraft talk 
Um, we could. Um, <laughs> I'd, happily, I'd happily be. Uh, 24 hours later, we're still talking. Yes, I exactly. What, I what we need to do. Uh, well, let's next time we're together somewhere, whether it's Florida uh, or or Vegas, wherever, let's yeah. try plan a trip to an air museum and go off and do some, because uh, there's lots of them in the country I still haven't visited. Yeah. Um, I've been to some of the big ones in the US, not the biggest one actually at Dayton, but I've been to Pima, which is one of my favorites. In okay. But we should, uh, we can walk around there together and get well, some. Well, and next time you're in my neck of the woods, uh, we can run down to Lone Star Flight Museum in uh, in Galveston. Sounds great. You like that one. Uh, okay, so getting back to uh, the relevant stuff. Uh, I'm still kind of, I, I still want to talk to you a bit about your stuff because you're, what's your, you've learned a lot in this process that was sort of how you became involved with Mark in the first place, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I was video production person. I, Mark and I worked together. I was BBC and then went to the, what's called the BBFC in the UK, which is the, the equivalent of your MPAA. And believe it or not, there are people who watch films and make notes and count how many times people curse and, and then decide what certificate it's going to be. And that's what we did, Mark and I and John Dyer. Um, And after we finished, John Dyer and I went off and did video production, mainly working in the medical sector randomly, not not by choice, but just the clients that came in and and some finance stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were jetting around Europe making these films, trying to make it pay, but it's an old-fashioned industry where you're lugging it's expensive on equipment and and expenses and and it was difficult. You know, we ended up drawing not that much each each year. And then Mark had this idea for an online course because he was doing so well with his writing. Mm-hmm. And he called us and asked if we'd do the production side of it because he didn't know how to how to make an online course. That's how it started. So really, I knew nothing about publishing. I knew nothing. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I'd written a book, but didn't even submit it because I think I didn't submit it because I didn't want anyone to actually publish it and then tell me I have to write another one or whatever. <laughs> so, so I hadn't realized that self-publishing is a much more attractive option for someone like me who's who wants to do yeah. things at their own pace. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I've it was slow at first, you know, learning. I talked to, I mentioned earlier the language of self-publishing. It was like a foreign language to me mm-hmm. to start off with, and it's gradually grown. But I'm, I don't know, Kevin, I think I'm one of those people who, whenever they get into something, they want to master it. They want to, I always want to learn more and be competent. And if Mark can do stuff with MailChimp, I want to know how MailChimp works so I can right. do that. And I've always been that person for him. And basically now Mark, doesn't log into any of our processes and systems and I run the operations along with John um, and leave Mark free to do the kind of strategic uh, stuff, which, uh, which is always important as well. What was, what was the most challenging part for you coming in, getting into the business? Um, I think, I think all of it's been quite challenging, particularly at first. I think the biggest part, I tell you the biggest part for me was, Unlike other jobs, like when I was at the BBC, it got busy, but I had specific things to do. So, you know, you'd, you'd be in a morning meeting, you'd be given your job and uh, you'd go out on the road, interview people. And you had your challenges within that, but you knew what you were doing. And there was a very ordered way of doing things. And you had to be back at the studios to, to edit no later than like five o'clock, give yourself an hour and a half. And then you'd be on air. And then that, that would repeat itself. BBFC sat there doing the stuff, writing reports on the films when I got into this industry, I would go to bed at night with 15 different things, very, very different conversations I had to have with people, uh, how to set up a webinar, 
uh, how to do automated stuff, how to get the um, mailing list, what is a mailing list, how does that work, um, how to set up an online course, uh, you know, what is a pixel, <laughs> you know, all, I, I had like a gazillion things. I didn't know really what the answer was to them. And I found it quite stressful. I think those first couple of years I was quite stressed doing this job. And it's taken me, we're six and a half or seven years into this now. It's taken me that period of time to have, to be on a day where there's still lots of things going on, but feeling relaxed enough about it that I know that it's not, un, it's not a whole set of unknowns anymore right. um, for me. And if yeah. something new comes on like TikTok, I actually quite enjoy the diversion of, of learning that as well. So oh, I really? Think I, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I still want to learn more and and, and reinvent myself a bit, but um, that's just my character. Um, How, what do you think of TikTok? I, I'm still on the fence about TikTok. I, I, I know think, people are crushing it, but I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that's the key thing. Some people are crushing it, and... And they swear by it and it, it sells books. And I've seen it demonstrated enough, not just on the big Colleen Hoovers and, and Lucy Scores, but people at a, a much smaller level with hundreds and more small thousands of views selling hundreds, tens and hundreds of books a, a, a week and a month. It's working for them and generating enough for them to live off their writing. And so that makes it a powerful platform that, that just by itself, you shouldn't need any more persuading like that. And that doesn't necessarily mean a bit like Facebook ads and Amazon ads. It's absolutely going to be the fit for you. Yeah. Uh, and there are other factors in TikTok in terms of being comfortable with the platform or the rest of it that come into play that perhaps don't come into play with those other right. um, areas. But uh, I like it. I like its creativity. I like using it when I focus myself and do it properly. It sells my books. I don't do enough of that. It is kind of pretty low down on my priorities, unfortunately, in my list of my to-do lists every day. Um, but I, I have planned a few things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I kind of like the platform, actually. And wait, I find wait, it quite... Do you see it having longevity? Do you think it's going to hold Don't. Up? I mean, that I don't know. I, I yeah. think it will, it will develop, and I think it is already starting to move towards a pay-to-play platform. So until recently you could very easily, not very easily actually, but you could get hundreds of thousands, maybe a million views on your post. Yeah. And I've, I've done that with my post. But, and that's unlike, you know, Instagram or Twitter, you, you get a thousand retweets on Twitter, you've won the lottery, right? And it's, yeah. that's a big, big virality on Twitter. On on TikTok, a million is is there. And that that's why people are selling books because that numbers are huge. And within that yeah. percentage is going to be people buying your books. Right. Um, but recently, in the last week or 10 days, something like that, so the numbers have really dropped off on people's posts. And there's been a change to the algorithm. We're not sure whether it's a mistake and it's going to be corrected or whether this is a move towards, as Facebook did in the early days, where you could get huge views on your posts and then suddenly it became not even just your friends, but a inner group of friends. Mm -hmm. And you had to pay Facebook if you wanted to boost the post to get further. I suspect they are moving towards that, but that's okay um because they'll come up with a platform that needs mastering and those people who put the effort in and learn it and work out how it's going to work will be the ones making money from it and that's where we want to position ourselves of course as, as spf in our courses yeah yeah are well, you you're you're on tiktok right draft i am not draft a digital yes kevin tomlinson no I, okay. I i haven't made that leap yet maybe it's too late maybe i've missed the boat but yeah, it's still early days yeah yeah i feel like every time every time it comes up i feel like I, i'm that old guy sitting on his front porch telling kids to get off his lawn 
Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is about that particular platform. Usually I'm all about, you know, I'll embrace it if it's if it's working, I'll jump into it. There's something about TikTok that that rubs me the wrong way though. So, yeah. That's a personal well, thing. It is. No, I understand that. And there are people who, who feel strongly about it. And, um, you know, the elephant in the room probably is it's owned by China, uh, which that, that, is, yeah, it's an aggressive nation yeah. that has a despicable human rights record. Yeah. We can be a little bit political here, can't we? Tiny, and, tiny, tiny. And they, um, and, <laughs> uh, and they spy. And I know they spy because I used to do video production for Volvo and we right. used to physically chase people off the, the sets at, at motor shows when they're yeah. prototypes out taking pictures and with rulers yeah. <laughs> measuring yeah, yeah. so that china is you know it's an extraordinary country it could be the most amazing country on, on earth but it's still got a foothold in this dictatorial military detention that makes it a difficult pill for people to swallow i understand that i think there's different ways of looking at it and i look at it like my iphone is made in china my car my volvo ironically it's, it's, what i just said is yeah. owned by china the observation i made on twitter the other day was that it was like sugar you know it's it's you you can say i'm i'm swearing it off i'm not going to have anything oh, yeah. to do with it and it's in everything yeah you uh, sit on the, you know, even if you think you're buying an all-american car i guarantee exactly. there's bits of it i've been made in i china. ordered I ordered shirts. I ordered some shirts on Amazon that were that literally say "Made in the USA." And when they got here, they had labels that said "Made in China," right? Uh, sewed underneath it. So, um, so know. there is that. There is that as well. And I also think that in the more successful, commercially successful things have been in China, the better it's been for the country. So, had they not had that big capitalist resurgence it's an odd mixture isn't it china of, of capitalism communism but had they not had the capitalist side of things from the 70s yeah. 80s onwards it would be in a much worse pace um yeah. but there are certain freedoms come with the fact that government needs that revenue and i think the bigger things are successfully in the wider world the more awareness there'll be of ordinary from from ordinary citizens of what's happening in the rest of the world and better will be for them that's one way of looking at it i understand there'll be people screaming at this now saying i don't agree with that and i i respect I'm that but um, silently yeah. screaming yeah <laughs> no I'm, I'm just kidding uh we have a question here from uh peter it asks what would what would you say is the toughest genre to break into i mean every now and again we get an email from someone who says um i write poetry in the style of 19th yeah. century French philosophers, can you help me sell my books? Yeah. And Mark, you know, we Mark usually writes a polite email back saying, Have you heard about the romance of the starving artist? <laughs> well, um, you're you're going to be that starving artist. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's a genre that won't sell, but I think there are genres that will be very difficult unless you have very large quantities. That is um, good. Marketing. Yeah, I I think you're you're on the right track. I my feeling is this that every Every genre, every style of storytelling has its market, but that it's the challenge of of finding that market is what it's going to come down to. So you can sell that, you know that that poetry book. You know you can you can find people enough people even to support you uh, financially. But finding those people, it's it's the it's the balance of how much is it going to cost you in terms of time and and money. You know. And but that's where you guys come in because you're teaching everybody how to do targeted advertising on platforms like yeah. Facebook and Amazon. And that, that's what social media advertising has given us that ability yeah. to find people that you simply couldn't find before. You could stick up a billboard 
in the tube station in London and 99% of the people who walk past it are the wrong target audience for you. Well, social media has allowed us to narrow that down. So first of all, get rid of all the men from your targeting, if you're targeting a, a book at, predominantly read by women, and then the age groups and, and then so on and so on. So that you're right, there is that that possibility, I think, for all genres. Yeah. One thing I think I would add to that, though, is 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 what genre are you writing? And that's, that's an important question because we do, again, I talk to people who do... They want to do memoir yeah. because they've been through a life situation or they have a relative or something like that. And they want to tell their story mm-hmm. and they're absorbed with that aspect of it. What they haven't done is they haven't looked online to see what memoirs are selling well in that area and read them to understand how to write that story. Right. You can't simply because you're very passionate about a particular subject and say, well, this is a very niche genre. Well, actually, it might not even be a genre the way you're writing it. You might not be fitting the tropes of that genre. You might right. not understand that. So, so make sure it is actually a genre, first of all, and you are fitting the tropes of the expectation of the reader who reads that. That's your first step. That After sounds like that, that controversial right-to-market thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, we, don't, we don't have time to open that particular can of worms. Well, uh, that's the decision I've made. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've indulged myself really with three books that people, people who lo- love my books, love my books. And they write yeah. me very heartfelt emails about it, which means a lot to me, particularly people who served in the military in the sixties and seventies. Right. But the big the, audience um, out there is, is, is not that it's a slightly different book. Right. That, and honestly, uh, you and I have talked about this when I've been on your show is, um, you know, I started my life as a sci-fi writer. Uh, that was essentially my experience too like people liked the the books i was writing but they weren't they weren't they weren't attracting a big audience and it's because what i was writing really was thriller novels uh set on spaceships or other planets and so when i switched genres i was actually clicking even though thriller writing thriller novels was not really what i was after it wasn't really what i dreamt of um it suddenly became the right fit for me and my audience so yeah uh, all right. Well, we are we're at time. Um, I want to remind everyone one more time. Uh, actually, I don't think we post put this up on screen yet, but you should definitely go visit selfpublishingformula.com where you can find links to these courses. And you, there are, there's going to be a little countdown timer, right? When it's because it says it's going live first quarter well, of uh, 2023. Yeah. So it's January the 18th. The course will go live. But on the front page there, if you're not on our mailing list already, just get on our mailing list because yes. that's where you're going to be first to know and you'll get the link to um, to join us for that. Um, and also, uh, I will give another link, which I didn't tell you about in advance, in advance. You won't have it there. But this Facebook ads challenge we're going to do, mm-hmm. um, there's a Facebook group set up for that. Um, so if you can remember this, it's selfpublishingform.com forward slash Facebook challenge. So nice and easy. But if you put slash Facebook challenge after that link, that will take you to that Facebook group, join that group, and then you can be in that challenge, that expedition we're going to do together to try and um, uh, get as many people as possible sort of, you know, properly trained up on Facebook ads. There you go. There You're so quick. Go. I am the world's fastest typist. I may, there's, there may be multiple typos in that. Selfpublishingformula.com slash Facebook challenge. Uh, for all of you in the uh, comments, you might want to just jot that down, right? If, if any of my team is still in the comments, share that link, will you? Um, and beyond that, if you're listening to the podcast later, it's probably over uh, by now. When's, when's the whole thing wrap up? When's that challenge wrapped up? Wrap up? 
Um, well, we are going to start it, I think, something like the 7th or 8th of January. It'll run for seven days. Um, okay. So it's best to do it along with us then. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give out that link on the um, in the podcast. We have recorded the podcast up until the 6th okay. of January now. So they're all in, the, all in the bank, so we can have some time off. Okay. Very good. Well, if you're listening in the future, sorry if you missed it. But uh, if you're listening right now or you're watching this on YouTube right now, uh, make sure you hop on over to selfpublishingformula.com slash facebook challenge uh james it's <clears throat> excuse me i got a little choked up there james just <laughs> mentioning your name uh th- it is always a pleasure to talk to you sir i'm i'm always thrilled to see you guys at the conferences and and everywhere else we bump into each other so thank I you love for our- being a part of the show hey i loved it uh, kevin always loved chatting to you and i'm looking forward to our museum visit which i'm going to make sure happens oh yeah we're going to do that that's going to be a big thing. I can't wait. All right. Yeah. All right. That's going to be fun. Okay, everybody. Thank you for tuning in uh, to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital We appreciate you being here. Make sure that you uh, do all the things that are required of you by international internet law, like click on like and subscribe and uh, make sure that you go to draft or um, dddlive.com. I'm trying to pull it up, but for some reason it won't come up. There it is. There we go. Uh, go to go and bookmark dddlive.com where you'll see uh, countdowns to live streams like this one every single week. And we are uh, looking forward to 2023. This is not our last broadcast, our live stream of 2023. We're going to have one more next week. Make sure you tune into that because we're going to be looking back at the year and all the things that we uh, accomplished and maybe even some industry insights. So make sure you go to dddlive.com uh james once more thank you sir for being part of the show and everyone else we'll chat with you all next time thanks Thanks, that's it for this week's self-publishing insiders with draft to digital be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends and start build and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com